B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic, and weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. It's Felger and Maz, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Jesse, what can you tell us about Ezekiel Elliott? Well, he just tweeted moments ago that he's going to New England. He's going back to the number he wore in college, number 15. So Ezekiel Elliott is going to the New England Patriots. Now, keep in mind. He and the New England Patriots have been going back and forth here for, a for about a month. Yeah, yeah and, and at various points, New England thought the deal was getting done, thought it was getting done. Just a short time ago, I was told it wasn't done, but Zeke Elliott just tweeted moments ago that he's going to the Patriots, and so it's essentially going to be a one-year deal there. They get some help with Ramondre Stevenson, and New England Patriots have a new running back now. Dan, your thoughts? I love the pairing with him and Ramondre Stevenson because this is now uh, uh, just a battering ram offense. This is a team that Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien is their play caller. They're going to run the football. Mm. They're going to put two tight ends on the field. There's going to be a emphasis on run. I I like this for Mac Jones. Zeke has got to stay healthy and look a little bit like Zeke has in the past. Uh, But I I like this signing for New England. Everybody, welcome into the program. Breaking news yesterday, which we got late in the program, so that's where we will pick it up today on what is a Big Boy Tuesday. Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal will be alongside shortly. He is traveling uh, to Green Bay for the Patriots joint practices, so when he is available, we'll pop him up. Meanwhile, it's Maz, Murray, and myself from our Tom Craig Tire Studios here in Waltham. We're brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook on 98 by the Sports Hub and the simulcast. That beams across New England and the country on NBC Sports Boston. How you fellers doing? Good, you? Wonderful. Our follow-up thoughts to the Ezekiel Elliott news from yesterday. Who wants to go first? Uh, again, I like it. I like it on the surface just for maybe the most silly reason of all. It's buzz. It gives us something to talk about. It's a name. And I know you kind of hate that kind of stuff, Mike. But for me, I think that they desperately need a buzzworthy player. Now they have one. Now, on the field, is this more likely to be... You know, 20 years ago when the Patriots brought in Corey Dillon or like 2015 when they got a semi-washed or mostly washed Steven Jackson. I tend to think the later, uh, the latter, uh, the latter. I don't think that Ezekiel Elliott is as washed as Steven Jackson was at that point. Um, so he'll contribute, I think, mostly in the red zone. But I don't think this is going to be like, this is the move that puts them over the top or anything like that. But overall, I like it more than anything else just because it's buzzworthy. Okay, what, what, what do you think it, it feeds, though? You said in your email today it feeds... A, you know, a thing that Belichick's doing anyway. Oh, yeah. I actually think you could maybe make a case that, you know, look, it, he hasn't done much in terms of, like, helping out the the offense, right? Like, he's done all the better drafting in terms of defense, any kind of big free agent moves he's made on defense, Matthew Judon a few years ago. I think you could maybe make a case that the Zeke Elliott signing almost kind of counts as Bill Belichick still trying to help the defense because I think it's now clear that their offensive mindset going into to this season is – we're going to run the ball, we're going to grind the clock, and we're going to play defense, and we're going to win on defense. And so, in a way, this is another move for Bill helping out the defense, and this is how they're going to play this year. I don't think you're going to see – you know, we know that stat. What, they're – like, since Mac Jones has come into the league, they're, they have yet to win a game when they uh, the opponent scores more than 25 points, right? Like, I don't know. This defense does look like it could, could, could be elite, and if that's the case, maybe they can win games 21-17, 20-10. And Zeke Elliott helps that. So in a way, like I said, kind of signing him helps the defense. 
Uh, Jimmy, you may release the hounds, please, at 617-779-0985. We usually take calls in that second segment. I think that's going to be Greg's first segment. So if you want to call us now, we'll take them if you're ready to go. Maz, what are your follow-up thoughts? So when we were here yesterday, uh, the Patriots signed Zeke Elliott. And then right after we left, the Jets signed, uh, what's his name? Dalvin Cook. Thank you. Dalvin Cook, the running back from the Vikings. And so... I looked at that, and I saw what the money was for Dalvin Cook, which was up to $8.6 million. Zeke is $6 million, and I asked myself the simple question. Who would you rather have, Ezekiel Elliott at $6 million or Dalvin Cook at eight point six? Not even close. It's not close. And so I, I then found myself frustrated by it. Look, am I annoyed that they added Zeke Elliott? No, it's fine. They overpaid for him. But I like the idea of taking some of the workload off to uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I said all that yesterday. Then I saw what Dalvin Cook went for, and I said to myself, why wouldn't you just kick in the extra two and a half million bucks and get yourself a player that you can basically rotate in and out with Stevenson that can be a complete third down back if you want him to be, and frankly would be the most explosive player on your offense right away. Right away. Like someone who could really help your offense because he can be a legit pass game player and get the ball to him in space. And now you have a guy who can take it to the house. So I'm frustrated by it. The Jets gave up, you know, even when the Patriots overpay, which they did with Ezekiel Elliott. They still cheap out. They still cheap out. (laughs) But they would have really, really had to overpay for Dalvin Cook because, you know, look, I know that every topic is is on the table here. We don't, you know, say no to anything. But this one I kind of say no to because he didn't want to come here. Dalvin Cook wanted to go to the Jets or the Dolphins. That's it. That's it. And so unless the Patriots are going to give him $10 million, he wasn't going to come here. Given the ten million, you're giving Zeke six. It's really a difference of four million. And again, you're paying all these bums on the offensive line. You're paying guys on special teams. You need an explosive player on offense. And I'll tell you, one of the things that the, the really the big thing for me is he's a three down back. He can play every down. Cook, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Dalvin Cook. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. He's he would fit what they would like in a player, which is the versatility. He can catch it. He can run it. He's explosive. Like. They should have gone that route. Okay. I was told Bedard would be second segment. He's joined us now. Here's Greg Bedard on our Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline coming to you uh, from uh, Wisconsin. Where the hell are you, big boy? I am uh, at a hotel, a stone's throw away from the practice fields and everything. So um, excited to be back. Uh, I hate traveling. (laughs) I never want to travel. Um, This just reinforces it. But here we go. Okay. So uh, what was your take on the Ezekiel Elliott uh, signing? It's something they had to do. Um, I think it makes the team marginally better. It gives them at least some depth at one spot on the offensive side of the football, which I was happy to see. Um, I think that they overpaid for him. I don't believe that they were outbidding anybody for his services. Um, maybe it was a good job of agenting by his agent to make the Patriots think that there were people out there for him. And, this is the type of back that they were going to get. You know, I know you guys are talking about Dalvin Cook, but to me, these are two distinctly different players and different levels of players. Dalvin Cook is a, a legitimate starter slash star running back in this league. That was not going to make sense here, uh, unless you really wanted to overpay for him. But it didn't really make a whole lot of sense considering you have Ramondre Stevenson in that role. The Patriots were always going to get a second-level veteran, tread on the wheels, maybe get another good season out of them, complimentary type back. And I think 
Zeke fits that. I think he, he, he brings them what they need and gives them a legitimate backup because obviously they don't think a whole lot of the, the second year players, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. Strong hasn't been at practice since the preseason game. Ty Montgomery evidently is never going to play. Seems like he's on the Raekwon McMillan plan here with the Patriots. So they had to go get somebody who is at least somewhat dependable, uh, can, can get you yards in short yardage. And can definitely help you picking up the blitz and uh, in in third down roll. What aggravates you about it? Uh, that it's what's today's date, August fifteenth, and they're now getting around to adding some pieces on offense. This is what they always do. They half-ass it on offense. Defense gets all the luxury parts. They get the first th- first th- three round draft picks this year. For a unit that everybody said was so great last year, they added even more to it. The offense got buckus, has left them, you know, woefully undermanned at a bunch of spots on offense, especially tackle, especially tight end. Um, so, you know, this is just Bill half-assing it with offense as usual. You know, it's he he does this every year. And if you are some players in the locker room, are you looking at this contract, Greg? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, you know, look, he's this guy who is showing up halfway through camp is getting four million dollars guaranteed. Lawrence Guy, who does everything you want to on and off the field, takes double teams, does all the grunt work to make Bill's defense work, makes two point seven five annually from this team. If I'm him, you bet I'm pissed off. And I would probably be pissed off if I was somebody like David Andrews, who makes about four point seven five million a year, who this this entire offense would be up a creek if he wasn't there, if he was hurt. And so, you know, Bill can play all these games with the roster, the raw you know, we can't pay this guy this this. You just paid some bum running back to come off the street halfway through training camp, and he makes more than some of the, your most valuable players on this team. You know, do I think it's going to be a big deal at the end of the day? Uh, possibly with Lawrence Guy, but anybody else, no. But I don't know. I, I just don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me. Hey, Greg, just to add to your point, running back is the lowest paid position in the yep. league. In the league. So those guys have a right to look at him and go, how's that guy making more money than me when he plays a position that's valued less? I mean, I thought- yeah, and they could, they, they could also say, Nobody's paying running backs around the league. People are finding running backs all over the place. You just drafted two last year. How come those guys can't play? You know, it's sort of similar to the tight ends a couple of years ago. Keen and Ossie Ossie. You, you draft those guys. None of those guys could play. So like, w- what's the problem here? Why is this difficult for us? And why does it put the offense in, in a bad place on an annual basis? Okay. So I want reaction to the Ezekiel uh, Elliott signing, what it means for the team, the state of the team. Two weeks into training camp, and now uh, with these joint practices at the Packers, hopefully they'll start to actually do some work. You think, Greg, this week or or what? What do we expect? <laughs> yeah, I expect you know going off past years. I, I think that they're going to do um, you know heavy work the next two days. The first day is really the real heavy day. Then they sort of dial it back. Um, they'll probably still be in pads, but they dial it back on the second day uh, of joint practices. So that would be Thursday. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this is constructed. I've never covered a joint practice in Green Bay. I was asking some of my former colleagues up here how they do it because, 
you know, the practice fields are split. They're split um, by the Don Hudson Indoor Center. Normally, when you have the joint practices, there's two or three fields right next to each other, like at Gillette. There's two fields right next to each other, so you just, you, you know, you can see everything. Here you can't. They're going to split the squads between the two practice fields, from what I understand. And from what I was also hearing, Burt Brewer mentioned this to me, that there was talk that they're not going to do one-on-one blocking drills this week, which would be a huge bummer for me because of all the fights that the Packers and the Bengals got in in their joint practices the week before. Okay, great. So, again, like I heard them start talking about this last night. So, like already laying the stage for not really doing anything this week either. Well, let's keep it mellow. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Nah, I don't need a good start. No, no. I mean, again, let me know when November gets here. One and three is just fine. Skarnacki will figure it out. Brady will figure it out. We'll just, all these teams will get stupid and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, if you're asking me, I'd flush October too. Why wait? What's the diff? <laughs> yeah, everyone's stupid. They'll, they'll just start falling on their face and we'll, and we'll be there to clean up the mess. All right. So Patriots, you want to talk Patriots with Bedard? Do it now. 617-779-0985. Back with you right after these words. Ever been in a quick trip and say to yourself, those are some really happy people that work here? Well, that's no accident. We hire only the best, and we think you'd be no exception. We offer great benefits like health insurance, paid vacation, and over 20 other benefits to make sure you feel valued. It's no wonder we're consistently ranked a top workplace. So join in the fun. Get your application started today at quickcareers.jobs and start working on your. See you next time. Now more of Felger and Birds on the Sports Hub. I, for the most part, for the most part, I think players understand business in today's NFL. And I know Bill Belichick cares about how players view other players' contracts. I think players, for the most part, understand, hey, we needed a running back. This is what it costs to bring the running back in. I don't know how upset people are going to be by this, but in terms of the actual on-the-field play and the depth chart and the need at running back, I mean, you are a Ramondre Stevenson injury away from calling Steven Jackson again, going back to 2015 and trying to make that thing work. I mean, that's that's where you would have been. It was a bad situation then. You don't want to be in that situation again now. To me, this was a critical signing. They needed depth there. I, I also would just add to this... I think Ezekiel Elliott's reputation as a player, I think, could help him in this instance. Mm -hmm. He's thought of as tough. And I know there are a lot of people with the -the off-the-field stuff, and he's definitely done some questionable things in his past. There's no question. But he's a tough runner, and he's thought of as a tough football player. So I'm not sure, you know, maybe to the other end of the spectrum of the Nelson Aguilar type of signing, nobody's going to look at him and say, what's this diva walking in here for him making more money than me? I just, I don't see them viewing it that way. Yeah, on the Patriots, could someone make Dig. a million-dollar signing bonus, a three-million-dollar salary, and it's a money issue because there's so many guys in there that have had to fight tooth and nail for a couple extra bucks. But so be it. It's a topic here on the Patriots. That's just one issue with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Greg Bedard joins us from the Boston Sports Journal from Green Bay, Wisconsin. A uh, couple quick uh, thoughts before I go to the phones. Uh, Greg, how do you think he'll be used on the field? What will be his primary role? Uh, his primary role will be to spell Stevenson um, every third series as the every down back, and he'll be the third down back slash goal line short yardage if if they need him. If if Stevenson is a little bit, um, <clears throat> you know, it has played too many snaps. So, but I, I think to me, where I think he helps the team the most is. 
his ability to come in on third down, be the third down back, blitz pickup, um, you know, his experience diagnosing blitzes and, and, and getting out in the flat, you know, he's not going to outrun anybody. Um, he's not going to break a ton of tackles anymore. Um, you know, he's not going to run away from anybody, but I do think he can, he can do that and help this team. All right. Other big news again, uh, before I go to the phones, the other big news yesterday was the injury to Mike Kosicki. Uh, how big of a injury is that? And uh, how does it all play out? I think it's big. And, you know, I know the report, um, when I was traveling, I think, I think it was Ian Rappaport, uh, reported that, uh, something along the lines of that it was mild. Um, yeah, and so, there was a little bit of confusion. Well, Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Let me uh, just give the report again. Ian Rappaport says Gasicki, who has been impressive early on in camp, suffered a mild dislocated shoulder during yesterday's practice, source said. While nothing is given, the hope is that he's back for week one despite the AC joint injury. First, Greg, before you go, Maz, when you read that, what, what do you what do you think? I think it reeks to the high heavens. I think it smells beyond belief. And I say smells, meaning phony. It's a lie. It's a cover-up of some sort. I don't believe it is a mild dislocation. Oh, it's just a mild dislocation, <laughs> don't you know? Mild. Bull crap. No, it's bull crap. They've been, they've been putting in a two-tight-end offense. It's a, the whole thing has been predicated on this. So what, they're going to tell the world now one of our two tight ends is hurt and he's going to be out for eight weeks? Like, I don't buy it for a second. I just don't I, understand how a separated shoulder or AC joint can be mild. That's it an, can't. It's an adjective you usually use for salsa, not an injury like that. <laughs> like, give me a break. I saw that. I'm like, this isn't anything good. No, I agree. I, I think that they, if they're not in the market for another tight end, they should be. But, Dard, your thoughts? It's, it sounds like a Celtics injury report yeah. uh, to me that I think it's, you know, overly optimistic. You know, look, we'll know how serious it is if they sign another guy and what, what kind of guy it is. Um, you know, I would expect them to be in a market just to cover themselves. But look, this injury for him is more, is problematic than say for Hunter Henry because Hunter Henry is more of a, he catches the ball. He's more of a, he catches the ball in his frame. Like he's not one of these acrobatic guys. He's kind of like run down the field, hit me in the chest, you know, that sort of thing. Occasional leaping catch. Gesicki is different. Gesicki is an athlete. You know, he's a poor man's Travis Kelsey type of guy where, you know, even the best, the best stuff that he's done in camp are a couple of one handed catches where he's completely off balance that. You know, Hunter Henry, even he admitted he can only dream to make those catches. So now if you're talking about he's having an injury issue with the shoulder, can he still get the same extension? Is he going to go up for, with both hands with the ball the same way? If he's wearing a harness, how does that restrict him? And let's also keep in mind, Mike Kosicki's not the most physical and tough player in the world. At least that's his reputation. And so, you know, now all of a sudden before the season, He's going to be dealing with this, let alone when occasionally when he has to block or engage somebody, how that affects him. Yeah, this is not – I don't think this is a good injury for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they pivot with the offense because they have been a very 12-personnel heavy offense in camp to this point, and now we'll see if they start pivoting quickly to being a, you know one back, one tight end, three wide receiver type team. Okay, your thoughts on this and everything else, Nico in Burlington. Go ahead, Nico. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Greg, big fan, love your stuff. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I, I actually was going to bring up the tight ends. 
Do you think part of the reason why maybe the offensive line doesn't seem like such a concern is because they're just going to use these tight ends to block? Because, I mean, when Hunter was here the first year with Mac, I mean, 10 touchdowns in the red zone was great, you know. And then last year, it was like all he did was block. So I'm just interested to see um, what you think about how they're going to even use him even before Gasicki got hurt. Thanks, Greg. Okay. Your thoughts? So, yeah, and, and Nico, it's, it, it's a valid point, you know, but here's the thing. None of the tight ends on this roster can block. Thank you. It's certainly not at a good level. I mean, Hunter Henry's okay. That's about it. Gesicki can't block his way out of a paper bag. Matt Sokol gave up one of the worst sacks in the preseason game that you'll ever see. And I thought he was, he had a chance to be there blocking tight end. Ferkser, not a great blocker. And then you have the other guys. This is another area where they are weak on this team on offense where they're not on defense, where they have, you know, guys who can split all sorts of different roles. I, I don't, I don't think they, they were you aiming to use these guys as blockers. You know, Hunter Henry could get on the uh, side of say Connor McDermott or City So at right tackle if need be and help out a little bit. Um, but you know, this offensive line, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about it. And we talked about it last night. I think this offensive line has the potential to be the best in the division, but everything has to go right. Trent Brown, you know, we finally saw him in pads. He went through the whole practice. Cole Strange has to be back. Michael Wenu has to be back. If if those things don't happen, there is zero depth on this offensive line. There is none behind them. No one's ready to assume the role of an NFL starter if they have to. If, if, if. You know how I feel about ifs. The more ifs you have, the more you suck. Eric in the car. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, just piggybacking off of what Matt said. I, this is, I, I worked as an athletic trainer. I've covered a lot of football. This is an injury that's going to limit him and really reduce his productivity. I would equate it to like a baseball player with a wrist injury. Just your pop's gone. You're, he's not going to be able to block, catch. It's going to really impact his whole season. So, Greg, thanks. you know, forgive me. I, I know it's all mushes together. You either said this on TV last night or maybe just now if you did, please. Yeah, no problem. Host not listening. but Host not listening. The, did, did you meant like Gusecki's the athleticism, like the, a catch that he made, you know, I guess. So you did just mention this. The catch that he made that we were at camp last week. With the reaching back, he's not doing that. Even if he comes back in week one, no way, no go, Greg. Yeah, it's a it, it's a huge problem for him. If it was Hunter Henry, I'd be like, it's fine. Put a harness on him. He's a tough guy. He's a he's a frame catcher. It wouldn't really change his pro t- productivity all that much. Gesicki's completely different. He's detached from the formation. He's actually more of a big slot receiver. And you, you also have to remember that you know Gesicki. In the role that I think that he's going to have in this offense, he's going to be exposed to a lot of hits from a lot of strong safeties and things like that. You know, all, this, this, I, this is not a good injury for him or for this offense. So it'll be very interesting to see how they quickly pivot and, and how much do, do they just put Matt Sokol in Gesicki's role thinking that, all right, Gesicki will be back in a couple weeks or now do we all of a sudden see them in 13 personnel or sorry, 11 personnel? Um, all of practice with, you know, only one tight end. That will tell the tale of how serious this injury is. I don't want to see Matt Sokol on the field. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Unless you need a lawyer. <laughs> Isn't it that name of that lawyer? Or is that Sokolov? Whatever. So- Sokolov. Sokolov. Yeah, yeah. What I, James Sokolov. Yeah. Lawyer. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sorry. Uh, three up, three down with Bedard. At this point in training camp, who's uh, trending up? Arrow up, arrow down. With the big boy coming up after Big Jim Murray gets you updated. 
Now. Bring it back, bring it back. Now more Felger and Mass on the Sports Hub. And now it's time for three. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on his drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Belder and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, three up, three down. It's back with our sponsorship. Three up, three down with Greg Bedard, presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with a triple distilled, triple cask matured, and triple blended Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. This will be not just from the preseason game, but the practices in and around it. At this point in training camp, who's trending up, who's trending down? Bedard will give us his thoughts. Maz will give us his. Yep. Even though he hasn't seen a single practice and just sampled the game the other night. Correct. That's all you need. I think Maz is uh, over-informed as far as I'm concerned to uh, weigh in on this as well. As usual, I'll be relying on my exceptional instincts. Three up, three down. (laughs) Number one up there, Bedard. Who's your number one uh, trending up? Keon White. I mean, the dude was a monster the other night. I, I had him for nine impactful plays in 27 snaps. That's unheard of for him to... You know, a line everywhere from three technique to stand up outside linebacker, you know, makes you think, uh, makes you sort of daydream about what he could be, how quickly in this scheme. Uh, so he's, he's really opened my eyes. I mean, I, I know there's been some people who've talked about how he's been really good in the practices. It's, it's hard for us to tell, first of all, with the lack of padded practices. He hasn't been overly impressive in the one on ones. Um, which made the other night so surprising to me. It hasn't been bad, but it's just not like the other night. Uh, but, you know, what he did in the game the other night, it makes you think a lot of things. Yeah, forget daydreaming. I'm wet dreaming oh, about geez. this guy. Yes. Whoa, Come on. <laughs> here we he, go. He is number one on my list, too. Keon rhymes with Dion White. Uh, I love this guy. What's his ideal role, Greg? So coming into the year, I thought, you know, Dietrich Wise's sort of understudy. I mean, they sort of play the same position. That's sort of what he was doing the other day. You will occasionally see Dietrich Wise stand up. He did that a little bit more uh, early on in his career. Uh, now what he was able to do, the athletic ability that he flashed, you know, it, especially being able to stand up in a two-point stance, you know, has me thinking, all right, well, you know, could he be more of an outside linebacker? I mean, I think everything, and, and I'm going to sound like a Patriots honk here. Um, this would be like one of our callers. But on, on one in one respect, him standing up, you're like, all right, he could be like Matthew Judon, but maybe a little bit better considering how strong he is and how – and I think he, he has a little bit more explosiveness. Then you watch a, a little bit of what he does on the inside and – well, you know, it's going to take a while for him to get there in terms of pass rush moves and counter moves and all that stuff. But I see a little bit of Aaron Donald in him a little bit. Like, Ooh. you know, like that kind of – like he has that kind of ability that's tantalizing. You know, certainly not as quick and as, you know, spinny and twitchy as Aaron Donald. Nobody is. He's a, he's a freak. But uh, that that's what just excites me, that you can imagine in a, him in a bunch of different roles. I just hope – my goal is for him, and why I was a bit critical of the draft pick was, all right, fine, you got this guy. Where's he going to play? How much is he going to play? 
if he's this good, screw the other guys. Like, screw Dietrich Wise, put his butt on the bench, put Keon White in the game, get more explosive, get 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 younger. Like, let's go. Let's not play any of this beholden to the veteran crap. Second- you, know, you know, I see a little of him just quickly. Yep. JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul. It's a little, he's a little thicker yep. than Jason Pierre-Paul, but it's the same kind of body. All right, uh, number two. Uh, I had uh, your boy Malik Cunningham. I mean, you know, how could you not um, be impressed with what he did the other night? Um, and again, another guy that you start thinking about, like, all right, well, what could his role be? I'm not worrying about the quarterback element or anything like that. But like, look, this kid's twitchy. You put you pair him with Demario Douglas, and suddenly the world's slowest passing offense. Like you're like, all right. There's some speed out there. They can do some things. So um, Malik has definitely opened some eyes, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the next uh, the pair of joint practices coming up, you know, what he does against other teams. This is going to surprise you. My second is Mac Jones. Mm. I, I think Mac Jones is based on everything I've read. He obviously didn't play the other night. It feels to me like Jones is having a very solid camp. Solid camp. I think that's important for them. Given, you know, everything that went on last year, his frame of mind, his state of mind all seems good. I think I think Jones is in a good place. Three up, Greg. Third. Mac Jones. And for a lot of uh, the reasons that Tony said, I mean, I, I when I saw Mac Jones, especially yesterday on the practice field, they were doing a bunch of situational stuff. Um, he just, he's in total command. That, that was the first time where I'm like, this is his team. He knows what's what's going on. He's comfortable. He's getting his groove back. And, you know, while, you know, I, I don't think his performances have been, you know, lights out or anything like that, you know, it it's getting there. I mean, you know, I think he had three touchdown passes yesterday. Uh he's he's feeling that he's in a groove. He really is. Murray, your thoughts? I mean, Greg's seen it, so I'll take his I was work. expecting a straight boo. Well, yeah, I'm booing Maz. That was just straight pandering. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. My third guy is Malik Cunningham. Isn't that interesting? Greg has been there every day for two weeks or whatever it's been. We had the same three guys. What are you implying? You don't even know to go down there to know what's what? Exactly. <laughs> three down. Let's go. Who's your number one down there, big boy? That's just because you read BSJ every day. So, you know, you're actually well-informed as opposed to some other people. So, no, I don't. Uh, my, num- <laughs> my number one down, uh, this is this is unfair shooting fish in the barrel, but Rodney, Rodney Randall, the cornerback that they had out there the other night, he got completely roasted. I mean, he just, he can't compete. Never heard of him. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I don't know who that person is. I went with Bailey Zappi. I can't tell you how disappointed I was in Bailey Zappi the other night. And Mike, you know what play we didn't talk about yesterday? Do you remember? And again, look, it was a hard game to watch. He had like a third and seven where he scrambled and a yard before the marker, he oh, yeah. slid. Oh, yeah. Oh, you wuss bag. <laughs> you wuss. I saw that and went, oh, God, it just turned my stomach. Number two down there, Greg. So I split this between uh, Connor McDermott and <laughs> James Ferentz. Those guys were bad the other night. I don't want to hear any excuse making about how, oh, Connor McDermott played right tackle, then he had to play left tackle, and that's really tough. Come on. It's football. He's a he's a swing tackle. This is what he does. At least this is the role that he's supposed to have on this team. And he's he, both of them stunk out loud the other night. Christian Gonzalez, that play the other night where he got knocked back four yards, embarrassing, mm. embarrassing. He looked like a high school player out there. 
And I'm not telling you he's Tyquan Thornton in terms of his body. He's thin. I mean, he's not as bad as Thornton when it comes to that. That kid's not ready to play in the NFL and tackle people. Third down there, Greg. Now, uh, this is not to say this isn't going to be a good player for them. Oh, here we go. Um, but just where they are right now, uh, Bryce Berenger, the rookie punter. I thought he stunk the other night. He, he had four punts, averaged 50 yards. One was a shank off the side of his foot. The other one was a low kick where he outkicked his coverage. And then he had a touchback that landed at the five-yard line and just sprang into the end zone. That's not good enough. And and he got outpunted by Corliss Waitman yesterday in practice. Like, Pretty badly. He had, I think, three. Behringer had three punts, and two of them had hang times of less than four seconds yesterday in practice. I don't know what's going on with him, but right now he's in a little bit of a slump. I blame you for Behringer. You're the one that hyped him up. I saw him kick, and I said, this guy sucks, but I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) The third guy that I had, in addition to Behringer, I had him on my list, Pierre Strong. He's terrible. He's a terrible player. Is he? He's the same guy that ran into the punter last year, right? Didn't he get a big roughing the kicker penalty on a punt play? He was on the coverage, yes. he was, and he ran into block and just get, completely wiped him out. And then he was supposed to be this speed back out of the backfield. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I The fact that they had to go get Ezekiel Elliott is an indictment on him, Harris, and Belichick. Okay. Uh, there are your three up, three down. You can react to it. 617-779-0985. And the overall state of the team at this point in training camp with Greg Bedard and our long commercial free segment next. More Pelger and Maz and you on the way on the Sports Hub. Hey, team. Michael Felger is the man. I'm the freaking man. At least he thinks so. Why wouldn't you want me? Why shouldn't you want me? The audience, eh, not so much. You know how ridiculous you sound. It's the man and man. You tools don't know what you're talking about. 98.5 The Sports Hub. So Ezekiel Elliott, your thoughts? Yeah, it was uh, much needed. And I know that the Patriots really wanted to add a veteran running back this month. Uh, you know, through training camp, it became very apparent the Patriots running back depth behind Ramondre Stevenson just really, ha- it's not great. And it's it's a worrisome. And, you know, at Mass Live, we, we were told by a pretty good source that the team knew if they leaned on Ramondre like they did last year on se- you know first, second, and third down, he was just going to wear down. You know, by the end of the season, uh, last fall, he carried the ball 13 times between the last two games because he was hurt, just because they used him so much. It's just, you you need a good backup. And, and last year, they sort of dealt with some injuries from, was it Damian Harris was hurt kind of half the season. Ty, Ty Montgomery didn't play at all. So they wore down Ramondre Stevenson. So this is what this move is about, right? You bring in Ezekiel Elliott, he'll compliment Ramondre. He can play on third down. He can play on, you know, first, second down. It's really what they need because Kevin Harris, Pierre Strong, Tom Montgomery still injured. Um, JJ Taylor, these guys just—it's it, not the same level of depth that you've had with Damian and Ramondre over the past two years now. So much, much needed. Um, it makes me feel better about the group for sure. You know, I'm not saying Zeke's going to come in and run for a thousand yards, but at the very least, they have some backup for you know one of their best players on offense. Mark Daniels. Uh, <clears throat> Province Journal? Or is he somewhere else? Uh, he's with Mass Live. Mass now. Live now, yeah. Mark Daniels, Mass Live. I'm with TNR this morning. Catch a full interview at 98.5thesportshub.com or the app. Greg Bedard joins us from the Boston Sports Journal. Uh, a couple open lines if you want them. 617-779-0985. First, Greg, uh, does Ezekiel Elliott being on this team change your outlook of the team? 
So you're on mute there, big boy. You want to unmute yourself and start over. Try it again. Sorry. It's okay. Um, zero. Zero. I mean, you know, look, he's here. He's here in reserve role. He's a complimentary piece. I mean, it's not like you take what Ramondre Stevenson does and like add Ezekiel Elliott on top of it. That's not the way this works. I mean, he would basically be what Damian Harris would be and probably not as explosive if, if Damian Harris was uh, healthy. So, um, no, this, this is just, it's, it's depth. It's, you know, needed depth, stuff that should have been taken care of a long time ago, um, either through the draft or better free agency moves. And it wasn't because Bill half-assed when it comes to offense. And so they brought him in. I mean, it's, it's doesn't change anything about this team. All right. How do you feel about where we're at overall, big boy? You mean just in terms of the team in general? Yeah, well, so listen, when someone from out of town asks you, you get back there to Wisconsin, your homeland, and your old cohorts, and they look at you and they say, tell me about these guys. Any good? What do we got? What do you say? I would say that their their defense is good. Um, you know, if the younger guys, the first three draft picks, um, get to play and play well, um, this defense has a chance to be pretty good. Um, better than I expected when we started this, but the offense is rooted in 1994, and I just don't think it's good enough anymore. I don't think they're explosive enough on offense. I don't think they have enough uh, difference makers on offense. Um, people are pinning their hopes to a six-round draft pick and an undrafted college quarterback to sort of do something for this team. The offensive line is one injury away from being in absolute shambles. Um, I don't like what's going on with the offense at all. I mean, I like, I like the direction of it and where they're going and how they're going to be able to game plan and stuff like that. Yada, yada, yada. Do you have enough horses? I don't think they have enough horses. What would you say, Maz, if someone asked you? Mediocre. I think that they are, in fact, I would go so far as to say like the, the, per, the perfection of mediocrity. Like I think they're, you know, eight, and nine, nine and eight, right smack dab in the middle which in a lot of ways can be the worst thing. Now, that said, I will say this. Ask me again in about six weeks. when this, you know, And I, everyone can say that. I think there's a chance that they could be better than we think. So if the defense is really good and Mac Jones is efficient, he doesn't have to be great, but efficient, I think they could be okay. And when I say okay, I mean like a playoff so team. So the, the defense has to be more than pretty good. The defense has to be special. Because to stop the elite passing games now in the league, you can't just be a good, solid defense. You got to be something different. Okay, so that's fair. I, I'm worried about their corners on defense. Like, they're secondary to me. I feel better about their front seven now than I do about their secondary. Like, when you add up all the guys they have on the defensive line now in the front seven, and and that's assuming some of these young guys can play, White and Marpe and, you know, whoever else. Like, it feels like they got some some versatile weapons on defense now. I'm eager to see how that plays out. And I actually think it doesn't change my win total for them. But if Elliott is good, he'll make a difference. Third down's a key down. If he's a third down guy like Greg was talking about and they can convert with him on third down, that's going to take him a long way. Okay, six one. Mass, Mass, wait, hang, hang on. Oh, what do you mean a key guy on third down? I mean, like third down backs in the NFL are, are a dime a dozen. That the Patriots don't have one, they shouldn't be given like – you know, kudos for bringing in somebody. I agree. This should have been locked up a long time ago. James White, I mean, how 
just another example of another position where they just stopped doing anything. I mean, we went from, uh, you know, who was it? Um, Kevin Falk to, uh, Shane was Vereen. it Shane Vereen and then James, James White. White? It was just a factory, you know, one after the other. And then what happens? James White all of a sudden gets, you know, the hip injury is comes into camp, retires because he has nothing and Bill doesn't do jack squat about it. Like, just like, just like quarterback, just like tight end, just like, you know, if slot receiver, like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not giving Belichick any kudos for finally a dr- bringing in somebody who could be adequate on third down, who doesn't even have any speed, mind you. Yeah. He's going to knock the stuff out in a couple linebackers. That's going to be cool. The video clips are going to be cool, but he ain't outrunning anybody. Like he might get you a couple tough yards on third and three. He's going to get four yards. Awesome. Needed, but I'm not going to say like he's some sort of key and he makes them a lot better. This is, this is long overdue, should have been done years, months ago. And now Bill's just catching up because this is what he does now. Yeah. I'm not telling you this guy's going to be good either. I'm just telling you if it pans out that I think he could make a difference. I'm not telling you it's going to pan out. I'd rather have Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook's a better guy. If, if honestly, I was a little surprised, Greg, and I said this yesterday, but the more I thought about it, I was a little surprised when you said they're going to use Elliott on third down. Cause frankly, you know more than I do. I said it yesterday, but he's not a, He's not quick enough or elusive enough to be the kind of guy that can pick up 13 on third and eight, like in a little dump pass. You know, Cook could have done that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but this is this is what. Yeah, Cook could have done it, but Cook wasn't going to accept that role. Cook wasn't going to get that. That was, you know, we talked about it, you know, weeks ago. I was like, it, you know, it's fantasy land to think about Dalvin Cook because he's an actual bona fide starting running back in the league. Those guys don't come in and just, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be Ramondre Stevenson's caddy. They don't do that, especially when they're trying to get to their next contract. Um, you know, I, I, you're right. He's not that guy, but you know, I mean, Stevenson on third down, you know, wasn't any breakaway guy either. Nice hands. He's developed some nice hands, does a nice job, but you're just looking for blitz pickup, make Mac Jones feel comfortable. And, you know, yeah, they're probably going to have to mix and match now with like Demario Douglas or maybe Emily Cunningham. Like they're going to have to figure some things out at third down back if Ty Montgomery ever practices again, <laughs> where they can be a little bit more effective at times. Bill in Rhode Island, quickly, your thoughts on this? Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for letting me through. Can you tell me what we got in Ezekiel Elliott that we didn't have in Damien Harris? And if the answer is nothing, why did we let Harris go? Makes no sense to me. Thanks. Okay, again, I, I, I have no idea why they let Harris go. Other than, I mean, I guess, you know, he was injured from time to time, but the number was still so cheap. Even if he misses six games, 1.7 for, you know, knowledge of the system and all of this, like, mm-hmm. it's still not an exorbitant number. No, I'd rather have him you know, than Ezekiel Elliott. Ahead, you know what's hilarious about this? And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, he's half the cost of Elliott. He's better. I think it was durability, and also he tends to mouth off a little bit. He might have been in the gang of, you know, whatever yep. last year, and he didn't like that. But, you know, what's comical is that an offensive guy just shows a little bit lack of durability, and he's gone. He's in Buffalo for, like, half the price. Meanwhile, Raquan McMillan, Raquan McMillan ends on an IR twice and gets two extensions out of it. <laughs> it's true, though. Oh, no, totally true. You no, know, and I, that, I, I think you were with the same people I was when we heard about Damian Harris, and he has a tendency to flap his gums a little bit. So I didn't hear that about Damian Harris. I heard something much better. 
Much well, there's that. Too. Much juicier. Uh, but that's a story for another day. We got uh, an update from Big Jim Murray. 90 seconds, no commercials. When we come back, Greg Bedard's favorite topic, the quarterback depth chart. Yeah! Ever we'll been in a quick trip and say stuff. to yourself, those are some really happy people that work here? Well, that's no accident. We hire only the best, and we think you'd be no exception. We offer great benefits like health insurance, paid vacation, and over 20 other benefits to make sure you feel valued. It's no wonder we're consistently ranked a top workplace. So join in the fun. Get your application started today at quickcareers.jobs and start working on your. See you next time. B-Pod Studios. The Felger Maz Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for this? It's Felger and Maz. Oh, stupid, my uh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Bill, when we talked to Malik Cunningham in OTAs, he was mostly learning wide receiver and in that room. Is he showing you something now that he belongs more in the quarterback room? Yeah, he he's spent involved with both. Well, the way he's been developing in quarterback the last week plus. It's all right. He's it's got a lot to learn, long way to go, uh, but he's working hard, and you know. See how it comes along. Bill Belichick uh, yesterday, I guess, on Malik Cunningham, hour two. But Big Boy Tuesday with Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal. Miss a three up, three down uh, in the first segment. You can catch it again online, 985thesportshub.com or the app. Be surprised to know that Greg Bedard had Malik Cunningham as one of his three ups. I talked to you on TV on Sunday night. You basically took a steaming dump on the topic like the rest of you snotty football Guys, these, these why why you got to call us? Why you got to call names? Because it's true. It's true. Like keepers of the gate, like holier than thou, the football writer no, contingent, realists, practical people, not fantasy football, well, like actual. Exactly. Football. You know more than we do. We're just uh, you know, yeah. Uh, that's that's for damn sure. Yeah. Oh, that's it. You know, that's and that's how you all carry yourself. But now you've come around on Malik Cunningham. Your thoughts? I have come up. Uh, I've come around on Malik Cunningham as an athlete. Um, that there's too much athletic ability to let go of, that they don't have enough guys like that anymore uh, because they certainly don't grow on trees around here. And given his quarterback background, you think he might have a higher acumen than maybe some other people, <clears throat> Tyquan Thornton. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm intrigued by it. Um, the quarterback stuff I think is nonsense. It's nonsense. He's less than six feet tall. The only guy who's been taken seriously at that is uh, Kyler Murray, and that's because he's he's ridiculous. He has special arm skill, special quickness, special you know build. But still, even the jury's out on him whether he's going to be any good uh, as an NFL quarterback. I mean, you know, look, the Patriots scouted him; they signed him. The undrafted. Signing bonus is not a big deal. I've seen the Patriots have given out big ones and cut guys all the time. It's not significant. It's not a significant amount of money. It makes no difference. They scouted him and brought him in as a wide receiver. Um, from what I've seen in practice this week, and considering it was it, it was closed to the public, and so I don't want to give away too much. I know other people have, but you know it looks like they are 
taking a look at him in a an expanded role, doing a bunch of different things, but you know, not just one thing. And that's how you see him. You don't like him as a quarterback. No, no, not not. Why not? You know, he's, he's I, tiny. I, and and that's that that to me that's the only reason he's tiny. He's, he's tiny. You would have to like that offense. It just doesn't it doesn't work in the NFL. Like you know, Jalen Hurts works because a he's built like a tank. B he has the best offensive line in football, and he has the best weapons in football. Like put Jalen Hurts on the Patriots last year, you, people would have been like, this guy can't play in the league. Sort of like Maz's attitude towards Mac Jones. He's just. <laughs> He is just uh, Malik Cunningham is just too small, too slight. At least right now, you can look at it in time. You can give him a whole off season, but you can't just in the middle of August say this guy's going to be our backup quarterback this season. It just doesn't work that way in the National Football League. Maybe a year from now, you can entertain it with a full off season. But he's he's too small. He's not a good enough passer. The Patriots looked at him, said he's a wide receiver. He's not a quarterback. There are reasons for that. And he basically needs, because of his height, and, you know, that throw that he had on the run the other day, that's what you have to do. You have to move the pocket all the time. You can't play offense in the National Football League like that all the time. You just can't. Yeah, so move him. That's what I mean. When I say move him, move the pocket if you have to. Change the offense for him. And, Greg, by the way, I'm not saying he should be the quarterback of the team this year. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is I saw enough in that game the other night to hang on to the kid and try to develop him. Let's see what let's see what it looks like. Give him more. Give him more reps. See how it goes. If a half season from now, if he sucks, you know, you're in the week nine, week ten, and he hasn't picked it up and it looks awful, fine. Scrap it. Maz, it's too it's too late for that. You can't do that now in the National Football League. The way the season goes, they're just about to have two joint practices, then they're going behind closed doors to get ready for week one. You can't spend, he can't get the reps. Trace McSorley's not getting any reps anymore. The Only the top two quarterbacks are getting reps now. Like, he's not going to get development this year, so it can't happen now. He's got to be on the roster, probably playing a lot of scout team with the athletic quarterbacks that they have coming up. There's not enough time to invest in him as a quarterback for this season. You could start the process a little bit with him meeting with, uh, you know, Evan Rothstein or whoever are listening in on occasion with the quarterbacks, but he's going to have to be in other rooms. It just doesn't work that way in the National Football League. Well, start whatever you can start. I think there's something to, to try to tap into there in the long term. Keep going with it is what I say. Greg, did he go to the combine this year? I have no idea. So I mean, I, I can I, look that up. But. I'm trying to look it up. So like, I'm just curious, did we get an official, you know, height on the kid? Right, because they yeah, certainly well, fudge in media guides and report, you know. But if you go to the combine, isn't there an official height that's that's given there? Yeah, so I go to this site called NFL Draft Scout, uh, DraftScout dot com. It's it's linked in with football writers. We've been using it for a long time. So their height at the key, he was invited to the combine. He weighed in at five eleven and six eighths. So just under that six was his official. Yeah. yeah, that's his that's his official height. So that's the only thing to me. Uh, that I saw just in that you know little snapshot the other night where I'm like, oh, I just, boy, you can't be that small. You got to be something else to be that small. And even, I mean, no one's that small and it's something else. Kyler Murray's not. And Doug Flutie was, a you know, uh, a pain in the ass, overrated. Breeze. Like, Breeze uh, is about the only guy that's done it. Is he under six feet or is he just under six one? He's about six foot, I think. I don't care what he's listed. He's small, too. This guy looks smaller. 
This guy looks littler. It's just too small. Uh, that's the only thing. But I, I, I just don't want to shut myself off from, you know, someone who you just think isn't this or you think isn't that. Exactly. It's like, that's just silly. Who knows? You come in all different sizes and shapes and, and skill sets. And, you know, like sometimes, no, and, and I, you know, no one thought Brady had it. It's just like, you know, it's just because you think someone doesn't have it doesn't mean he doesn't have it. It's just, it's just, that's, Mike, Mike, that's, that's fine. But it's just, I'm just telling you, like, based on my experience, like, you, and that's fine. You could start doing that next offseason. If, if the Patriots say, well, you know, there's something there. He's doing scout team this year behind the scenes. Uh, you know, maybe there's something there. Okay, Greg, he's yeah, going to have to Next offseason, they can do it. Do you think he has to stick on the 53 if they try and send him to the practice squad? Does he get claimed on waivers? Uh, I, I don't think he has to make it. Um, what does that I mean? think it's possible. What do you mean? I, I don't think he has to make the roster. I think that he, like right now, we'll see how it goes. It could change. I mean, I have him on my latest 53-man roster because I am intrigued by the athletic ability. How many receivers? Um, so is he in the receiver group, and how many of those do you have on the roster? I have six now. Um, you know, So it's Devontae Parker, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Juju, Thornton, Malik Cunningham, and am I, am I missing somebody? Demario Douglas. Uh, yeah, Demario Douglas. Yeah, Demario Douglas. Yeah, and so that's Bo- my six. So Booty doesn't make it. No, he didn't show. He, you know, he's a possession receiver. Uh, I want to see more. We'll see with the joint practices and and you know two more games on film. Maybe he was just thinking. He he looked slow on film. He wasn't getting away from anybody. Doesn't run good routes. No explosiveness. I'm not wasting a roster spot uh, on that guy right now. I don't think he would get claimed. Plus, with his off-field red flags that that kept a lot of people off, you know, being behaving yourself as as far as we know for a month in the NFL um, is not going to alleviate those problems for a lot of teams. So, I think there's a better chance of of Booty being uh, getting back on the practice squad than Malik at this point. Okay, real quick, uh, if Malik Cunningham gets claimed. Does he have to accept the claim and go to that team? I know that sounds silly that he would say, I'd rather be on a practice squad in one place and an active roster on another just because of the money that you're making. But what if the Patriots are making assurances to him or pay him? You know, you're, 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 you're on our practice squad, but we'll even incentivize that a little bit. We'll, we'll give you a raise. Is he allowed to deny that claim and stay where he is? Not that, not that I'm aware of. That, you know, it's, you know, these, these rookies have no rights. You know, they, they screw him with the the contracts and all that stuff and the control, and this is part of it. You know, if the Patriots release him, he gets claimed. He's got to go there. But that's the other thing on you know Malik Cunningham and why the the fifty three man roster calculation is difficult because you know if a team claims him, he has to go on their fifty three man roster for so many weeks. Right. You know, he he has he doesn't know the scheme. You've got to teach him the scheme. What position is he playing? Like, you know, most teams already have their teams that they really like, you know, their depth chart and everything. And they, they've been working with these guys often for multiple months, if not years. So a lot of people like their roster when they get to it, and they don't want to disrupt that. Okay. Uh, your thoughts on all this, I promise we'll get to you. But first, we have 10 questions with the big boy, and we'll do it right after this. Stay tuned for more Felger and Naz, okay? Thanks. It's- now, more of Felger and Naz. Now, on, on, on the Sports Hub. You want the answer? You've got to ask.
ask the question. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, 10 questions with Bedard around the league. 10 questions, 10 minutes. We've got to stay on time. Jimmy, what are our buzzer options? <laughs> I can't remember what that's Tommy was. Tommy and Lynn. Tommy and Lynn, very good. Next. Soft. So you're, soft, so soft, you're, soft. Okay, Maz thinks it's soft. Next. Seriously, go to hell. Yep, F off, says Maz. Next. This is the last one. F off. Yeah, there it is. I knew it was coming. Hit it, Jimmy. F off. Number 10. Who was or is your favorite running back of all time to watch? Who's your favorite running back ever, Greg? The only running back I ever tuned in to watch every time I could, Barry Sanders. No question. Murray. Barry Sanders. Best moves, most evasive, pure electricity. Love Barry. Bo Jackson. Best combination of power and speed I've ever seen in any athlete. I'm more interested in guys like Earl Campbell and Derrick Henry and sort of guys like that. Speed power combo. Next. Seriously, go to hell. Who is your favorite Dallas Cowboy of all time? I grew up a Gators fan, so Emmett Smith. I loved Emmett when he was at the University of Florida, and then I followed him to the Cowboys, even though I wasn't a Cowboys fan, but I loved watching him. I loved his balance. I just he was just always so good. <laughs> Maz doesn't approve, Murray. Uh, what safety, was that? Safety Darren Woodson, who I think might be the most underrated player from those 90s wagon Cowboys. Tough, smart, could play the line, could cover, blitz, do it all. I got about five of them. Dion, Dorsett, uh, the Pearsons, Drew Pearson, Preston Pearson. I love those guys. They, I, and they, you know, the, something about a, a good player like that in the Cowboys uniform just takes it to a whole new level. Roger Staubach, Roger the Dodger, one of the underrated quarterbacks of all time. Doesn't get mentioned with the all-time all greats. I think he should. One of the great winners in league history. Next. <laughs> yeah, this one I enjoyed, and I looked this up. I've, I've, I got some good ones for you. What was the most awkward, out-of-place, running back, end-of-career stint of all time? Is it an awkward question, but what, what running back switch teams – and looked the most awkward or was the most out-of-place end-of-career stint for running back in NFL history in your mind, Greg? Go ahead. Well, I had two I wanted to mention. Thurman Thomas in Miami at the end after being in Buffalo for so many years. But for me, the most awkward, and you just uh, explaining it, just it brought it home, Steven Jackson with the Patriots. Those two games <laughs> that he had, including the brick wall game down in Miami, <laughs> yeah. Where Belichick, and I know this, Belichick gave orders were not throwing the ball until we get a first down running. And they couldn't do it. 14 carries, 35 yards, they lost 20 to 10, and then Steven Jackson was gone. Thurman Thomas was my original answer because, I mean, though, there was real hate between those Bills and Dolphins teams in the 90s. And his final year with the Dolphins, it's like it just looks so stupid. But another one, LaDainian Tomlinson on the Jets. He was so electric with the Chargers, and in his last year with the New York Jets, he was useless. Oh, he was—he had a good year there. He had one good year there. He wasn't a throwaway. I go ahead, Maz. I'm going way back here, but Franco Harris with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, that's on the list. Franco Harris, Seattle Seahawks, one year, 1984. Ugh. The one everyone would think of of our age was O.J. Simpson in San Francisco. All right, in 78-79. Does anyone remember Earl Campbell with the New Orleans Saints in 84-85? No. No. no, I do. No. 
Do you remember where Tony Dorsett finished up his career? I don't. Cup of coffee with the Denver Broncos in 1988. Yeah. Right? Do you remember Dorsett in Denver in 88? Yep. How about Herschel Walker as a Philadelphia Eagle? Does anyone remember that? Barely. Okay, another good one. Uh, we all remember Marcus Allen in Kansas City. Yep. He was there for years, actually. Like You don't realize he was there for like three or four years, a tag on. Does anyone remember Eric Dickerson as a Atlanta Falcon? No. No. Okay. No. So this is all, and and then I just put on here like the real old timers would will remember Larry Zonka with the New York Giants. Right. Zonka went to the WFL for a year in '75 and then came back in the late '70s. Played, that I remember. Played a couple years with the Giants. I do too from my deep deep childhood. But this is all sort of like the Seahawk fan in '84 and the Saints fan in '84 '85 and the Denver Bronco fan in '88 said, "Oh my God, we we have Tony Dorsett. We've got we we have Franco Harris. Oh, here comes Franco." And the Eagle fans, oh, yeah, Herschel Walker, here we go. Let's go, Herschel Walker. And they're all toast. They're all useless. It happens all the time, all the time. So welcome to it, Patriots fans. Here it comes with Ezekiel Elliott. Next. <laughs> soft. So you're, soft, so soft, you're, soft. Number seven. Bills head coach Sean McDermott will take over defensive play calling duties for the Bills this year. Good idea or bad idea, Greg? Very good. I think he's... I think he's a spectacular defensive coordinator and play caller, and I think he's better than Leslie Frazier. I think they'll be better because of it. I think it's a good idea. How can it be any worse in these last couple of years and how they collapsed the 13 seconds in Kansas City and then they couldn't stop Cincinnati in the playoffs last year? Good idea. I say bad. I mean, I, I look at it and say the taking the, the head coach's attention away from the, as you would call it, the game operation. Yeah. You, if you're going to do that, you better be someone like Andy Reid, who's got Spagnola on, you know, Spagnola on the right. defensive side. In which case, you say that guy's basically another head coach. I'm not sure Ken Dorsey's that guy on offense. Go find someone to call the defense the way you want it. How hard is that? Yeah, and and you and you basically map it out during the week, and then you find just someone to push the button when the game comes. And you're on the headset. You can always overrule them. Bad idea. Next. F off. Number six, Greg, on a scale of one to ten, the Patriots' new north end zone construction out there, the scoreboard, the lighthouse, the big schmenz are there, the new function space, whatever, et cetera. Give us a review of the whole thing out there. Oh, well, first of all, the Schmenzer isn't finished yet, so uh, I, I can't give you a re- review on that. But the, the scoreboard, seeing it in action in the game, I got to tell you, I thought it was I thought it was weird like, like you know for most times like they shrink down the video that you're watching it's just in the middle of the screen and then you have ads and all these stats and stuff like that and I'm like wait I thought I was supposed to get a huge video in like HD and like that's the whole point of this what is this cluttered up crap that's going on here so I didn't like it I think the scoreboard's a 10. I thought I was incredibly impressed when we saw it last week when we were down there. It makes the place feel smaller, which might be advantageous because it, maybe it's going to be louder in there. And I'll say the lighthouse is girthy. So I haven't... <laughs> it is. It so is. Thick. It is. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, they, they promote its height. You can see Providence and Boston from up there, but it's, it's, the, it's the width of it. It's the girth. Bulky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again... <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I give it a three. <laughs> was it any louder in there, Greg? I know it's hard to tell, but it, 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 you know, just walking in there empty. Greg's right. I mean, uh, Jim right. Jim's right. I walked in there with just you know no one in there. It did feel a little more tight, confined. You know what I mean? Just a little more. I'm not. You know, I'm not sure what I'm trying intimate. to say there. But it was a little more intimate. Fair. Uh, I 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I always had that because Baltimore had a big video screen for years, and I always thought that made that place a little bit more intimate. So maybe it does, but I could not tell in the first preseason game, the uh, Malik Cunningham Memorial Special game. Okay. Uh, Next, hit it. Soft. Soft, soft, soft. Here comes the Green Bay uh, portion of the questions, as you are in Green Bay right now, covering joint practices with the Packers. Biggest tool bag packer of all time, our tool bag question. Brett Favre. (laughs) It's Uh, really hard to beat that. I mean, it's so true. There's so many reasons. Well, I'll go with the original fat pervert, Mark Chimura. Oh, good one. What a tool bag. So Hot tub. It occurred to me that that there might not be a lot of them in Green Bay, but the ones they have are like Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Tool bag. Aaron Rodgers. I take five over Aaron Rodgers. Next. How about Tony Mandrich? Go ahead. Next. Seriously, go to hell. Uh, What's the best part of the Green Bay Packers experience or the whole thing? Like, is there anything that you just really appreciate and respect about the whole Packers thing? My, I, it's hard for me to b- explain, um, but other than to say all of it, like when you know, when you talk about training camp, when you talk about fall up here, like it's just it's just different. It's completely different than anything else in the National Football League. It's so intimate, you know. It's it's public property. You got guys, the players riding on kids' bikes to practices. I'm sure we'll get some pictures of like Matthew Judon and stuff doing that. They walk amongst the people here all over the place. There's access to it. The history just drips from this place. There's nothing like it. There really isn't. It's just it's the most special football atmosphere in the country. Big football stadium in a tiny town, but more importantly, it's the only NFL place I've been to where it feels like a collegiate atmosphere. Like, you know, like going to a big SEC game or like a big, you know, game on a Saturday, and I love that. The stadium's the centerpiece. It's the stadium. And again, I told you I was here a year ago, two years ago. That roof deck that they have is awesome. Absolutely awesome to be able to stand up there and watch a game is tremendous. Hey, the best part about the whole thing is that there's no a-hole billionaire owner with an ascot coming out of his pocket trolling around there telling you about the salary cap or some other nonsense. That's by far the best part of it. And they have to open their books and publicly report their numbers. And that gives us insight into the rest of these rich billionaire a-holes and the money they're stashing because you see exactly what the Packers are making, what the money is, what, what the money's coming in, what the money's going out. And from that, you can glean just how much these other 31 owners are stuffing into the back of their pockets. That's my favorite part of it. Next. <laughs> What's the most overrated aspect or your least favorite facet of the Packers thing? The re- Related to what you were just talking about, um, the big lie about how this is, um, you know, it's for the people, this organization team, it's by the people, they own stock and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's, it's a lie. They tried to keep it intact, but it, under the leadership of Mark Murphy, it has complete, come, become complete corporate greed. He brought in, it used to be so down home and folksy. Everybody was from here. They were from Green Bay. I used to be able to like call up Bob Harlan, the Packers team president at home to ask him a question about like Brett Favre and his contract or whatever. And he would pick up and he would answer. And now it's Mark Murphy who brought in a bunch of corporate headhunters that come in here and are just trying to get every last dollar out of it. It's just. It's changed under the leadership of Murphy. It's definitely turned me off on that part of the Packers. 
I'll say the self-importance of you people, this attitude of without us, there is no football. Like, get out of my face. You had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks over 30 years. You get two Super Bowls out of it. I hope Jordan Love becomes Don Majakowski and you go back to hell. I don't see anything special about the town. Oh, the town's a dump. I mean, again, oh, yeah. the, the, the town the, blows. The stadium, I like. Like, and, you know, okay, let's go to the game. The town sucks. Like, what am I going to go to Green Bay for, to pick my ass? Like, no. <laughs> Forget it. Like, I, I think it's useless. Next. F off. Sorry, Greg. You wanted to follow up quickly? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think I think this, the sports hub should send mass to the NFL draft up here next year. <laughs> uh, they have the NFL draft next year? Mm-hmm. In Green Bay? Or or I don't know if it's this year or the next year, but they're getting the draft, yeah. Where are they going to put they're, everybody? They're, they're do- they could all they're, they're doing a bunch of construction around here. My Uber driver was telling me, oh, that place should be done in time for the draft. Oh, that place. Jesus. like They have like three hotels. Yeah, no, no, that's good. They can all go fatten up on cheese curds and fart the night away. Number two, rank the NFL stadiums or stadium experiences and stop when you get to Lambeau. 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 Lambeau, Denver, KC. Those three are all pretty good. KC's a great one. Oh, it's awesome. 100%. Denver's not the same in the new place. It's yeah, just, I was never in the old one. It's not all oh, the old one. The old one was uh, next level. The, the new place just lost a little something when they went from the old one for some reason. Uh, next, last one. Seriously, go to hell, Greg. Who'd you rather have as your quarterback right now going forward, Jordan Love or Mac Jones? I have not yet watched one minute of Jordan Love, so Mac Jones. Ugh. Jordan Love, more mobile. Love, 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 love. Of course, love. He's bigger, he's faster, he's got a better arm. Love. I might go Mac Jones on that one. Ugh. Higher floor. You and the big boy. He's got a higher floor. Love's got a higher ceiling, no doubt about it. He's got a lower floor. He could bust. He could bust out. I don't think Mac Jones is a bust. He I just, could be. He just might not be great. I don't think I, I like Mac Jones' floor. Uh, there's a bonus question coming your way as it relates to another young quarterback uh, around the league. We'll get to that and what it means here and in Green Bay right after a Big Jim Murray gets you updated. Now, now, Felger and Mass continues. Okay, my bonus question was going to be related to the news today out of Indianapolis that the Richardson kid, is it Mike Richardson? Anthony. Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson. The freakish cyborg kid. athletic quarterback out of Florida that was drafted by the Colts who many thought would be on the bench for a year or two because he was such a raw, you know, million-mile-away prospect, will start week one for the Indianapolis Colts. He's been named their starter for the season. What's your thoughts on that, Greg? Do you like that or not like that if you're a Colts fan? Uh, I mean, I would prefer not to do it, but um, I think considering that they're going to run – Similar to what the Eagles have done with a six-back offense, uh, bring him along slowly. He it, there's that, and then he also needs to play. Like he didn't play a whole lot in college. Like you know, and he's and he's built like a tank. So I don't worry about him getting crushed. And the and the head coach is used to be the offensive coordinator or whatever at the Eagles. So he's been through this before. He can manage him. He's going to have to be severely managed. I, I like it, um, but. It wouldn't be my preference. I hate it. I despise it. Hate it. Feels fast. Oh, my God. I mean, if the kid's ready, then okay. Like, if you know, he's Dan Marino or Peyton Manning 
or Pat Mahomes. Oh, no, wait, that's right. Patrick Mahomes sat out his rookie year. So it's like, I can't stand it. But, in you know, if you're telling me that he's like ready, ready, then uh, yes. But short of that, short of being ready, ready, the guy automatic, Andrew Luck, day one, what are you doing? I and I but see I Greg, I disagree with that thing that you have to play. I, I don't think you necessarily have to play. I mean, I, I I think practicing, being in the book, being in the system, being in the room, getting, you know, good reps during the week, I think that can qualify. I mean, did Aaron Rodgers need to play? Yeah, but I I think this it's different for athletic quarterbacks and the guys who, you know, at least as a rookie he's going to, you know, run more, you know, you guys love Malik Cunningham so much. Like, you know, you would feel okay with okay, him so playing listen, a little bit sooner. We don't love Malik Cunningham so much. We just like what we saw the other night and are open no, no. to possibilities. So don't, so, so, don't so, put, you're so not, it's okay that, so it's okay that you say, I hate the player, but I say you love the player and it's not okay. Okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That felt like an unnecessary okay. shot. It right? sure did. It oh. sure did. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, you know you lose an argument when you uh, automatically and you uh, change the topic intentionally pervert the opponent's opinion. Right. I mean, we were on a nice little road there. Oh, the straight out of the Felger <laughs> no, playbook. No, he no, took it straight you, down. You did. You made a left turn right to Malik Cunningham. Anyway. Yeah. So Jordan loves a good, you know, sort of case study. Like, yeah, he sat on the bench for three effing years. And I, you know, I don't know how much he played at Utah State or whatever, but I'm sure he could have quote unquote used the work too. So, you know, we'll see. I, 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 I would just, you know, in pretty much every case other than the special no-doubter, sit the guy. And even then, uh, Patrick Mahomes was not hurt by not playing for a year. This kid played one year in college. One. He's not ready for the NFL. And they don't and have I- enough talent there like the Eagles do. You're like, they're going to get him killed. Yeah, and look, I'm not telling you he sucks. I don't know. I mean, I just know that he's not ready. He's not ready. He, I don't think he was ready to be the number four pick, frankly, when you, let, let alone starting him. Now, I think that's nuts. Greg, when you say they're going to do what they do in Philly, the six-back offense, is that what you said? Yeah. What does that mean? You know, instead of, you know, it, like it, it, it's basically the gaps. And Mike Lombardi talks about it a lot on his podcast. I mean, it's basically it's basically a running offense. It's like it's like the wing tee. I see. So the and, quarterbacks is accounts for you have to two extra gaps have to be filled because the quarterback's a runner. Right. Instead of the five targets, it's six with right. the runners uh, with the quarterback as a runner. And so, you know, that makes it easy. I think you can do and I agree with you largely on what you're talking about. And even when you talk about Jordan Love, but when you talk about these guys who are coming in, in the league who are athletes before their quote unquote passing quarterbacks, I think you can get away with this a little bit more. I don't know. I don't see how Justin Fields was, you know, did he start? He, I, I'm saying like, like he started immediately. It felt like he did, didn't he? Or did he not? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think, think he, he did. Star- I don't no, think he, he started as a rookie. Right, I don't never think he mind. did. I take it back. Uh, either way, I just like, you know, patience. Let it marinate. It didn't hurt Brett Favre. It didn't hurt Tom Brady. It didn't hurt Patrick Mahal. All these guys sat as rookies. They didn't. They didn't play right away. Yeah, and again, in the case of this kid, he's really raw. He is, and again, I love the athlete like everyone else does. Can, can you let him learn the position? It is a possession where every snap matters, Mike. Like the repetition of it, the, the, the pace of it, the reading the defense, the whole thing, that takes some reps. 
So Justin Fields started 10 games uh, as a rookie, and he did start week one. If I have this, if I'm looking at this right. Yeah, he started week. So Justin Fields did start right out of the gates. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I feel like he could have used a little patience or seasoning. Or He was also on a crap bag team with a crap bag offensive line. Greg, it's the second time you've tried to swear. Okay. <laughs> this is a broadcast, not a podcast. Yeah. Uh, but either I way, you saying stuff all the time, uh, but it's all above the line. Mostly. I think I'm either not way, above the line. I nope. promise your phones out there. We'll wrap it up with phone calls for the big boy right after this. You're listening to Felger and Maz on the sports hub. Felger and Maz continues on the sports hub. All right, wrap up with phone calls for the big boy, as promised. Here's Ryan in Uxbridge. What do you got, Ryan? Hey, guys. Uh, so I just want to say, you know, Belichick's offensive scheme is outdated, and I still think his drafting sucks, too. So essentially, if we go below 500 this year, I want him gone. And, you know, I, something has to happen. So what do you guys think? So I'm with you, uh, but I don't know if that's enough to get it done. I don't think it's going to happen. Greg, is, you know, we've hit on this for much of the offseason. Where do you think we stand with – you know, the the clock on Bill Belichick, if you will. I think it's got to bottom out, and I think pretty substantially. I think I don't think the the crafts consider it if the the Patriots get to say seven wins. I think it's they would entertain it, think about it at six, it starts getting more serious at like five. Okay, here's the problem. Seven wins. He's nineteen short. Is that right, Miss? I think that's right. Nineteen so, to break it. Nineteen to break it, which is all we're concerned with. Yeah, right. Because he he's not gonna stop tied. Correct. So he's got to break. He's got to get to nineteen. She so wins seven. Two more years. I mean, you know, what's going to be the 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 level of confidence that they're going to get to twelve? You know, they had three losing seasons and four, and all of a sudden they're going to be a twelve win team, and he's going to break the no way. No. So this is what concerns me. This is what has concerned me about it from the beginning. That if you do the math, you, you he needs like a twelve win season somewhere in there. Otherwise, it's going to well, go on. They should have fired him last year. Yeah. This is my point. Like, rather, because once you get within a season of it, what are they going to do? Fire them? Then they won't. So I still think, for all the Belichick bashing I've done, I still think. Again, this is how I think of things. I still think he's got a high floor. They're not going to bottom out. I, I think seven is the floor, and that's what they're going to be at the worst. Right, but a seven-win season gets you two more seven-win seasons. Like that's sort of the worst place to be there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Aaron and Wareham, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, yes. What if you actually took Cunningham and actually made him a slot receiver? It's similar to Edelman because Edelman was a quarterback at Kent State. So you can kind of utilize him like that. So he would hypothetically be the third quarterback. Craig, isn't that the idea? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what you would do. Um, you know, similar to Jacoby Myers was also the same type of player, obviously not the same athlete. Um, and remember, Julian Edelman took a long time due to injuries and things like that to really get serious at the receiver position, uh, including, you know, he was a free agent and almost signed with the Giants uh, one year before he became Julian Edelman here. So, yeah, I think that's that's the path for Greg Malik Cunningham, and I think he sticks because of that. How does he look as a receiver? Um, so far, underwhelming. Like, I mean, you know, he's basically the thing that he does – best now or the things that he does best now are uh run reverses 
and throw the occasional pass out of that. A lot like Cordell Stewart you know, when he first started out. Okay, so Greg, you've seen a lot of them then, right? I mean, between between workouts and between uh, the game, yep. you've seen them. Uh, where would you say he's played best so far? Say it uh, as a gadget, as so a gadget say player. It, say it, say it, say it. As a gadget player, say it. Not quarterback but, but, the other night. What particular? No, position? you just said underwhelming as a receiver. Yeah, and he's underwhelming as a quarterback as well. Like he's not, he's not a. He's not a player right now. He is a he is an athlete um, with special athletic skills. And by the way, I just I emailed you guys a scouting report from the Our Loud Scouting Report uh, service from before the draft on Malik Cunningham. I think it's it's pretty interesting, and I think it's pretty accurate in terms of what you're dealing with with Malik overall in terms of his uh, ability. I just he's not a special receiver at this point. He's not a special quarterback at this point, not because he ran some quarterback draws and threw one pass that Trey Nixon dropped. But he was, doesn't change anything. But he was one of your three ups earlier in the three up, three down segment. And You're going to live to regret that one, big boy. Yep. As that up, what position was he playing that night? Hmm, <laughs> Anyways, move on. Daniel in Burlington. Go ahead, Daniel. What do you got? In what universe is the Patriots quarterback room normal? you got a wuss, two midgets, a skip that's probably playing for the Massachusetts Pirates soon. But you keep signing players like Ezekiel Elliott. Bill, you idiot. Retire. We call them little people now. Chris in Worcester has a thought on uh, our 10 questions. Go ahead, Chris. Yes, I forget. I think it was you, Felger, when you guys mentioned your favorite Dallas Cowboy was Emmett Smith. But when he went to Arizona, was he a wash? I, I don't remember the stat. Wash. Wasn't he one? So, he was a wash. All right. That's what I wanted to think about. Thanks, guys. I mean, look, I, I, I'll look at his stats. One of the years might have been better than you would think. You know, I was futzing around with this today, and I sort of had a good time doing it. Uh, just because I think it's, you know, I certainly I think Ezekiel Elliott has more in the tank than Emmett Smith did when he went to Phoenix. You know, I think they were the Phoenix um, Cardinals then, not even the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but I could have that wrong. Uh he ran for, wow, he sucked there. Second year in 2004, he ran for 937 yards. So, wee, you almost had a 1,000-yard rusher. Better than I thought. Except he gained three point yards, uh, 3.5 yards per carry. The year before, he averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Yep. He was 34 and 35. So, I, I think, you know, obviously Zeke Elliott at 28 should have more in the tank than Emmett Smith at 34. But I think, still think you're closer to the these guys you're still closer to oj simpson in san francisco and herschel walker in philadelphia and marcus allen in kansas city and tony dorsett in denver does anyone remember tony dorsett in denver he no went, he went to denver for yes. a year one uh, of the great fumblers of all time too by the way dorsett, tony dorsett was really oh, yeah he could spit it up like a newborn tony dorsett denver 1988 34 years old he started 13 games he was their effing starter he gained 703 yards on 181 carries, 3.9 per carry. Not the worst thing ever. But, you know, like no one even remembers it. Like it's like, and again, I don't, again, I, Ezekiel Elliott should have more in the tank at 28 than Tony Dorsett did at 34 going to Denver. But still closer to that than maybe what some people want. All right, big boy. Tony uh, Dorsett quickly fumbled 90 times. Holy oh, crap, crap. <laughs> That's crazy. 90 no, times. Look at right here. 90 fumbles. <laughs> Holy crap. But that's wow. Not, that's, not, that's not necessarily lost, but either way, put it on the ground 90 times. <laughs> uh, 
what do you want to see this week uh, at the joint practice there, Greg? So I'm intrigued by uh, some of the young defenders like uh, Christian Gonzalez against uh, Christian Watson. Um, you know, that could be some of the big physical receivers that he could be see- be seeing once we get to the regular season. You know, the Packers are pretty young on offense. I mean, Dubes, if Jack Jones makes the trip for the practices, maybe uh, Romeo Dobbs. Um, Luke Musgrave is the tight end that I wanted the Patriots to trade up with, with the Packers and draft in the second round. So interested in seeing him. But really, I want to see this Patriots offense against this Packers defense. It's pretty good. I mean, they have some players on this team from Kenny Clark and De- Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. The linebackers are good. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker. Like, they have their work cut out for them this week. And so I'm very interested to see how, you know, the blocking is – can these guys get open? What Mac Jones does against this defense, not Malik Cunningham. Uh, so that sort of thing. Okay. Include some coverage of Jordan Love there for me, would you? Let me see. Let me know how he looks. Well, I'm probably, I'm going to watch the Patriots offense. So he's probably going to be on another field. I'll try to get a peek, but my priority is watching the Patriots offense because they have the most questions. All right. We'll see about changing your priorities then. Thanks for coming by, Greg. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, see, Greg. see you next see you Tuesday. Guys. All right, uh, we get back to your phones. We've got open lines at 617-779-0985. We'll have a quick Red Sox thought and give some rare credit out to a certain entity that I haven't given much credit to this year. And we'll do that after Big Jim Murray gets you updated. 90 seconds, no.